When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Know what's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. It is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. My man Brian Baldinger, Jason Lacanfora. I'm Carl Dukes. Put him up. We are talking about it with you. And guys, there's a lot to look forward to this weekend. And I want to start with the Texans Ravens game. Jason, I know you have a lot to probably say about this, but let's rewind for a second. These two teams met first week of the season. (laughs) C.J. Stroud looked like a rookie in that game, okay? Fast forward 17 weeks later, he looks like an all-pro right now, and the Ravens led the league in sacks. We know all the things that they present defensively. This is going to be the 430 game on Saturday, guys. Let's start with this game because the Texans coming off of an impressive win against the Browns. The Ravens had the bye. We don't know how that's going to play out. We think the rest was probably good for them. But tell me where you're at on this, Baldy, uh, as you look at the Texans going into Baltimore this weekend. Well, I've been saying that the the Ravens are the team to beat. And, And really one of the reasons why is what, uh, Todd Munkin has done with this offense, with Lamar. I mean, everybody's going to put up Lamar's past records in the postseason. He got through the season completely healthy. Like, he's – he's and he, he looks like the MVP of the league. Now he's got to go do it. But the team around him is very good. Um, he's got real, real diverse weapons to throw the ball to, and he's been thrown into all of them, whether it's Bateman or Flowers or Odell should be fully healthy or likely, you name it. They've been able to do all that. And then defensively, I think they just present a lot of problems, and they're healthy. And every every addition that they have made, and there's been a lot of additions, really, since the last time they played. I mean, whether it's Kyle Van Noy or Jadevian Clowney. I mean, these guys have really come in and produced. And I think they're going to be as healthy as they've been. And this team should be should take advantage of the rest. But I don't think there's going to be rust. I think this team comes out. And, and attacks the Texans. And look, take, take you know, don't take anything away from the Texans and what they did against Cleveland. They carved up a great defense. But I don't think they can do that this, uh, this Saturday afternoon. Jason, run game? I mean, what are we talking about here? When you're the Texans coming in, everybody's watching that tape from week one. So much has changed. But w- what are you trying to do? To What's the weakness if, if there is one with this Ravens defense? Well, the weakness is definitely the run game, where they're most susceptible, though, is trying to defend lead plays and pitch plays. And that ain't the Texans. They don't excel at either. Um, Texans don't run the ball that well. I I think with Singletary and fits and starts. But I I think if you're realistic about the task here, um, the Texans secondary outside of Stingley, there's a lot of issues there. And this Ravens offense has evolved completely from week one. Like, I think you throw out the meeting when these two teams play to me, especially offensively, they're two different. They, they, they don't – like, the Baltimore Ravens in that first game, were, there was no Andrews. Stanley left the game early. J.K. Dobbins got lost for the season early in that game. Like, they were just trying to figure out what they were. Odell, right, didn't – was hurt in the preseason. They weren't really sure what they had there. Zay Flowers' first game. Like, you look at the Ravens' offense week 10 to week 17 – it's bombed away on first down. It's completely different than that thing. Like Lamar Jackson has the most first down play action dropbacks in the NFL between week 10 and week 17. He's got the second highest quarterback rating on those throws in the NFL. The only guy who's better, CJ Stroud. Like and I know Stroud mm. has struggled on the road, but the Texans ain't going to run their way to this thing. I don't think Baldy because Baltimore scores 30 at home on everybody. Like, the only time Baltimore hasn't scored 30 at home against the playoff team was week one when they had 25 against the Texans, and it was their preseason right. game because I mean, no, nobody played in the preseason. Long ways, right? this, this, yeah. So, so, Stroud, you can't run your way. I, I get the Ravens' deficiencies, but.
But this Texans defense with its deficiencies, I don't think the Texans can run their way to a game. I think this game goes way over 43 and a half. I think the Ravens get their 30 plus. I think the Texans get to the 20s. I think the Texans can keep it close. Um, but the Ravens are the superior team, and, and the, the Ravens will be chucking it all over the place on the Texans. Texans give yeah, up a lot of deep shots. Like, I remember being out at training camp, guys, and, and talking to Harbaugh about, you know, what 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 he expects from Todd. You know, what, what is this offense going to look like? And he goes, well, you know, Baldy, I mean, I see four or five different tempos that we have. We're going to play with tempo like they did at Georgia, Carl, right? Yep, yep. And we're going to see short passes and long runs, you know, West Coast offense principles. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like, that's a good start. That's good for Lamar. Let's get, you know, let's see what Zay Flowers can do. And, you know, I met him at that in training camp. And you're like, he's just, he's an impossible kid not to love. I mean, personality, uh, work yes. ethic, the whole thing is great. But this thing has evolved a lot from, I mean, they throw the ball down the field. I mean, they're, they're big chunk passing offense. I mean, uh, Lamar has taken off and he is, yes, he can still, he's still dangerous if he wants to pull the ball down and run or if they design a quarterback keeper, but I mean, he's beaten teams with his arm and it, he is, he's, he's really gotten good. And so this is a dangerous offense that I think the Texans are going to struggle to slow down. Jason is, is justice Hill, the, the kid, is he healthy? Do we know? He is? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the only real question here, I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the only the questions that we're hearing, um, I think Kyle Hamilton's good to go. You know, they've got a decision to make on Mark Andrews, who's ahead of schedule. Like, do they hold, like, I don't think hold them back is probably the wrong term, but, like, do they act out of extreme caution? And even though he looks great, in, you know what I mean, in, in practice one week, doing everything do they say look we got a pretty good thing going with likely and Kohler right now you know we, we, our, our manifest destiny is the Super Bowl and maybe a weekend of recovery and rehab one more week of practice now we get Mark Andrews back for the championship game and we're not worried about a pitch count we're not worried about this or that so you know that's a decision to be made Kyle Hamilton looks good to go you know Zay Flowers and Marlon Humphrey haven't practiced that much but the sense I'm getting is you know, those guys are are, are on target for Saturday. Um, no, they, they should be they they should be pretty healthy. I mean, that this should this should be I'll put it to you this way, they should be much healthier than I think they were going into that Tennessee game in twenty nineteen that everybody talks about, where Andrews clearly wasn't ready to play football, where Mark yeah. Ingram clearly was was really banged up, um, and where they had some issues defensively as well. So and guys, I'll, I'll just tell you again for the Lamar Jackson skeptics or for those who think, you know, they set Lamar Jackson's passing prop at 225. Just going to tell you, I put a whole lot of money on that and I audited it up to 255. Like <laughs> Lamar Jackson threw for 2,060 yards against playoff teams this year, right? Just against playoff teams, 67% completion, 2,060 yards, nine air yards per attempt. 16 touchdowns, five interceptions, a 109.9 passer rating. He ain't going out there to run for 100 yards, folks. He's going out there to throw for 300. Like, th th like, I mean, no, this, this, uh, from week this, this 10 is... to week 17, week 10 to week 17, he had 13 completions of 30 yards or more, fourth most wow. in the NFL. Like, yeah. And I keep stopping at 17 because he didn't play in week 18 because he was the MVP and week 18 didn't matter. So he got it off. But I'm just telling you, Baldy, would you be surprised if the first play of this game is Lamar Jackson under center, play action, 40 or 50-yard shot to Bateman or nope. Flowers or whoever? Nope. I, I, not at I'd all. I'd be surprised if it's not that. Yeah, no. I've seen too many too many examples of that early in games right now. Guys, I want to spend just a second. And while we're talking about the Texans, Ravens, it's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends. We're talking playoffs. We've got a big offseason once we get past the Super Bowl. We don't stop. John Harbaugh. We talk about all these other guys. John Harbaugh. He just continues to do this. Personnel has changed. Coaching staff has changed. Harbaugh's been the consistent. Let's just talk about his, his input and his journey here while his brother is a hot commodity right now in the NFL, right? And everybody's talking about Jim. 
How good has John been, guys? Well, I think, you know, the one thing that I, I, mean, I, I, I think that Jason backed me up on this is he's never been afraid to change. You know, I mean, they change coordinators, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, Wink Martindale was popular. Hey, you know, he had the number one defense in Baltimore, for, but he changed, you know, and Mike McDonald's has been a good change. And he's not putting these corners on islands the way Wink does. And where, you know, Marlon Humphrey's still a good player, but he can't run the way Marlon Humphrey did when he came out of Alabama. And so you you go get Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, but then the coordinator really knows how to use him. I don't know if Kyle Hamilton was in Philadelphia, if Kyle Hamilton would look like a defensive candidate for being the MVP the way that they use him. They know how to use the personality, but that comes – the personnel, but that comes with coaching – and coaching changes, and and a vision for how he wants his team to play. I mean, nobody has gone through running backs the way Baltimore has. Look, it's unfortunate. They've lost – they've had a lot of guys go down because of injuries. And this was a run-heavy, dominant team. But they're not now. And you can – maybe Dalvin Cook becomes a factor in the postseason. Who knows? He's there if they need him. But I don't think it's, it's, it's going to come to that. And nobody has juggled offensive line the way the Baltimore Ravens have. And so I give John credit because he's just kept this thing on, on track. And, uh, and, it, and it looks like the other part to me, Jason, is, you know, John can be as tight as anybody, but it looks like he's enjoying yeah. this ride. To me. And I think yes. that sort of rubs off on a lot of the players. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. And I, I do wonder, Baldy, if there's a part of him, as much as he loved Greg Roman and, and Wink Martindale, um, and and he did, I and they were established coaches, obviously, but I think there was a part of him that felt strategically he might have had to manage them even more because they were so stuck in their ways. Like Greg Roman had one way to run an offense, right? And I think there were times where Harbaugh's like, man, this is a little extreme. We need a little more balance, right? And he'd try to, like, maybe massage them or talk them through the week. But when we get to Sunday, Greg Roman's calling with Greg. Same thing with Wink. Wink, I love I love all your creative blitzes, but there's a time and place for everything. Anthony Averett on an island, you know, against Odell Beckham five years ago in prime Odell probably ain't the way to go. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be another way. We get to Sunday, it's more of the same. I feel like part of the reason he's enjoying this so much is like, even though McDonald is not what he's been a coordinator for two years. And even though Todd Munkin just got there, like these guys have adjusted, these guys can shape shift a little more. Like I feel like he doesn't have to manage their tendencies as much. And I'll say this about Harbaugh. They've gone through a lot of offensive coordinators here. Um, And not many of them have worked like Kubiak was really good. Right. But like Tressman, like we can do a long list. Like we, we, we can go through a whole bunch of them. This group, what he did, I, I think was a masterclass in reinvention. The Munkin hire inspired. Bringing McDonald back from Michigan inspired. Going and getting Denard Wilson from Philadelphia when Howie messes up. They don't. They messed up. They should never let Denard Wilson out of the building. Denard Wilson should have been their defensive coordinator. Keep it in-house. We had a great thing going, right? Okay, they lose him. Philadelphia's secondary falls apart. Baltimore's secondary, the best that's played around here in forever. There was a lot of heat on Harbaugh for a long time with his strength and conditioning coach, Steve Saunders. You can go back to last year, Google Steve Saunders NFLPA survey. The guy got an F minus. That's how much he was hated in the locker room. Like when that first came out, nobody got it worse than Steve Saunders. And thank God for Ravens fans, they did that survey because that was enough for Harbs to say, I got to get this guy out of my building. The guy who started the COVID super spreader in the training room in 2020 got fined and suspended by the league. Harbaugh brought him back, fully embraced him. Like he should have been gone then. But he finally did that. The issues in the secondary, right? Denard Wilson, Mike McDonald, they couldn't get pass rush. They couldn't develop pass rushers. He goes outside the box, hires Chuck Smith. Don't do your camps anymore, brother. You do all that in-house. Bam. What do we have? Kyle Van Noy, Fountain of Youth, right? Jadavion Clowney, maybe his best season ever. Owe, when he was healthy, started to come along. Like, all those hires were totally inspired. He changed his spots. He went outside of that, you know, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, Stanford, 49ers, Ravens, Cocoon. And I, I think the staff changes he made were masterclass. 
Now, mm-hmm. he might lose some of those guys. Like, Denard Wilson's running somebody's defense next year. Maybe it's here if McDonald leaves for a head coaching job. I you know, agree. and we'll see where that goes. But Harbaugh won't get – he won't be within the country mile of this head coaching, you know, of the year discussion. But he should be. I just want to add one last thing, and we'll talk about the, the Packers 49ers. Everything you just laid out is exactly what Bill Belichick didn't do. And that's why the last five years have been what they've been in New England. Everything you just talked about, he was reluctant to do. It's in the huddle, guys. We are not disrespecting the Texans, but the story is the Ravens. They are the number one seed. They have all the pressure on them, guys. We expect the Texans to play really well. And in fact, they could win. But I'm not going there. I don't think that happens this weekend, but I want Texans fans to go, what about our team? You guys are great. D'Amico's great. CJ's great. But the pressure is on the Ravens. And if they blow this, they'll be talking about how they screwed this up. All right, let's talk about the Packers. It's the 8 o'clock game Saturday night. Baldy, this Jordan Love, man, this, this what he did against the Cowboys, I mean, I know you've broke the tape down. I, I found myself rewinding during the game and watching his eyes and watching his motion. The kid looked unbelievable. And I don't know if he takes that to San Francisco, but Baldy, he's doing some things. Well, San Francisco has struggled against some quarterbacks this year. I mean, they went to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins carved them up. Uh, Joe Burrow came to San Francisco and carved them up. Even Baker Mayfield in a game where they lost, he still completed a lot of passes against them. They're his own team. And, I mean, even last week, week 18, Carson Wentz came down there against the number one defense of San Francisco. There was Bosa and Freddie Warner. They're all out there, Traverius Ward. And they went right down the field and scored against them. So, you know, if you're getting rid of the ball quickly the way – and if you can buy time the way Jordan Love can, maybe Bosa and Armstead and Chase Young, maybe they don't affect the game the way they want them to. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa told me, look, you know, I can't get sacks. I can't be the defensive player of the year if the quarterback isn't holding the ball. I can't get there. You know, so it's just a, re- a fact in reality life. Jordan Love does one thing in his mechanics that not many quarterbacks do. And it's interesting to watch, Carl, is most quarterbacks, if they feel pressure, if they see color, they go, they bail to the right or to the left. Jordan Love will simply just back up. He'll just back up and buy time because he trusts his arm that if he's got to make the throw to Dontavian Wicks in the end zone, he's got the arm to whip it and get it there. And he did. And it's, you know, you could have Micah Parsons coming right at you or Dorrance Armstrong like you did last week. And that one step back to make that throw is all he needed to make the throw. And so uh, he, he's, in a, he's an elite player. The Packers got this right. Um, it is interesting in their 30-year history that you go far, you draft Aaron Rodgers, he sits three years. You go Aaron Rodgers, MVP, Super Bowl. You draft Jordan Love, he sits three years, and here's Jordan Love. Most teams don't have the foresight to draft a guy for three years down the road. It might piss off your quarterback. You know, <laughs> you know those things do happen. Um, yeah. but, they, but, you know, the Packers have gotten this right. And they continue to get this right. And they're not supposed to be here, Carl. It, 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 it's a year too early. But that's Matt LaFleur. Because it used to be in the hierarchy of the Packers, Jordan, you know, Jordy Nelson had to wait his time. And Devontae Adams had to wait his time yeah. to become the, the, the elite receiver that they became. Well, they didn't have time to wait. You know, but here's Romeo Dobbs. You know, and here's, you know, uh, Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks, and here's Musgrave. Like they did it in real time. And you got to give LaFleur and that organization a ton of credit, but they're here. And they what they did to Dallas, I don't think anybody could have foreseen, but that they dominated that defense, dominated them. And Aaron Jones is running the ball as well as anybody. They're going to give San Francisco all they can handle offensively in this game. Jason, um, is this going to be a game next week where we're just talking about Christian McCaffrey being Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Ayuk, all, uh, all the things that we've talked about all season? Because I think that's what most people expect. They expect Green Bay just they just 
blew everything on Dallas, right? They just did everything they needed to do. And they're going to go out and lay an egg in San Francisco. And San Francisco's offense is going to do what they've done all season to pretty much everybody. Well, I mean, they get 27 at home against everybody. But but as Baldy pointed out, like that 27 against the Bucs was a little more of a struggle than they probably thought it was going to be. Um, you know, that that I mean, I say 27 against everybody. They didn't get there right against the Ravens. Um, I think this is a high scoring game. And I think the Packers keep this thing closer than 10 points. Um, mm. There's a couple things that I look at, like Baldy. When they made that trade for Chase Young, they had about a three or four week span where you're like, at least to me, I'm like, okay, like case closed, like Armstead's going to come back at some point. That'll sure up the run game. And right now, when they get their Ford, when they get their NASCAR package on the field, they can't be stopped. But if you go back and really watch the last three, four weeks, I want the same thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, damn. Bosa really didn't get off in that Baltimore game, even though they were rotating tackles, you know? And I'm like, Chase Young, like, you know, he is kind of the guy, right, where he gets a matchup he loves. He might he might destroy that guy. But if it ain't going well early against somebody else, like, I don't know. Is he really going to keep bringing the energy? Green Bay's third in the NFL in sack rate and pressure rate allowed. That offensive line has congealed through the year. And I think Love's pretty smart. He's not a rookie. He's been around three years. Like, don't get rid of the ball. He's not going to take debilitating sacks, right? I don't know what to make of the right side of San Francisco's offensive line, but I, I think it'll be tested early in this game. And the other underbelly of the 49ers, right? The, the the nickel guy. Like they've got they got an awesome corner, they got a really good corner. I'm not sure what they have after that. Baldy, do you know where the ball's going at any given time with Jordan Love? Like, I have no I, I don't know where it's going. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I still don't really know who some of these guys are, but like. He gets it to him, and they catch it 75% of the time when he gets it to him. So who, whatever's going on at nickel for the 49ers, I, I think, could be a problem. And the 49ers are not great against the run. And, and maybe Armstead's all the way back, and maybe that changes things. But the 49ers this year, when you run it up the gut on them, they're 29th in yards for carry allowed, and they're 27th in EPA against the run up the middle. Uh, Green Bay is over five yards of carry, guys, the last month. Running it up the middle with Aaron Jones now that well, Aaron Jones has more rushing yards than anybody in the last month. He doesn't. One thing about Aaron is he never misses a hole. His vision is amazing, and he, you know, sometimes you know he 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 was hurt um, two thirds of the way through the season, missed a month, and he like sometimes that's not a bad thing, you know, if you get to the spot because his legs look fresh, and Dallas couldn't tackle him, and he just gashed him. Uh, especially in the second half. Um, and, and he's a great receiver and pickup block. I mean, he's just a great back. This running game that Matt LaFleur has, it's really diverse. I mean, he uses his tight ends, his motions. He gets matchups in the run game. Matt LaFleur is really – like this is a very creative coach. And they're doing a lot of things that will give the 49ers problems. I, I think this is going to be, like Jason said, high scoring. And I, I can't see the Packers um, with a 10-point loss in this game. They're, they're playing too well right now. I agree. Uh, I can't wait for this one, to be honest with you, because uh, as Jason and I talked about earlier in the week, Baldy, it's, it's, it's teacher, student, right? LaFleur, Shanahan. And who's going to outsmart who when it comes to how this plays out offensively? Well, you got LaFleur's brother on the other side in San Francisco. You know, exactly. so it's a family affair. All right, guys, coming up, we got to talk about the redemption story. And we'll do it when we come back on In the Huddle. Carl Dukes along with Brian Baldinger and my man Jason Lock on Thor. We're talking about the divisional round playoffs, guys, with you right here on In the Huddle. All right, here's the deal. Five OCs in four and a half years, six head coaches. That is the life of Baker Mayfield. And now they go on the road to take on the Detroit Lions. And I just want to start with the Buccaneers because, Baldy, we were talking about the Packers not supposed to be here. <laughs> this division was terrible. Somebody had to win it. But it's about timing. And when you get hot and the Buccaneers are playing really good football right now and defensively Todd Bowles has them going. I would love to say Detroit and this story is going to continue, and, and I love the Detroit story, but what about the Buccaneers story and specifically Baker Mayfield? 
Well, I mean, he got stability. You know, he got a, a fresh, young, uh, creative offense coordinator in Dave Canales. His offensive line, um, it was completely reworked uh, this offseason. Tristan Wurst went from all-pro right tackle to over the left tackle. Uh, Aaron Stinney came in, did what he did. You got a, you know, Hainsey, and they've drafted Cody Malk and, um, you know, Gedeke. You know, that they those five have started probably the last 13, 14 straight games in a row right now. Um, you know, so they've got some stability up front. Rashad White, as a result, has run the ball better. Um, there's not great, but they're not nearly as bad as they were a year yeah. ago. And then, look, if they could have caught the ball against the Eagles, they would have scored 50. You know, I mean, they dropped touchdowns. But, you know, this, you know, Baker is, look, he, the guy is highly competitive. I think he's matured a lot. I don't think he's nearly as, um, you know, I mean, he was so far – he was almost too emotional early on in his career. Yeah. And I think he's like, I think he, he stopped. Like, look, Carolina was a disaster. You show up in July, you win the job. The coaching deal is a, is a disaster. The team around him is bad. He got stability coordinator. He's got a defense with Todd um, on that side of the ball. I think for the first time in a long time, Baker has just basically said, I don't have to prove it to you anymore. Like just go play quarterback. I don't have to win a game. We got enough help here. So I think he knows his role and he's really accepted it. And he's grown up. He, he's, a, he's an adult now. So I think those are good things. I'll be honest with you, Carl. The Eagles stink. Like they don't have any they don't have any idea what to do against the Blitz. If Todd Bowles blitzes Ben Johnson and Jared Goff, the way he did the Eagles, like they're not going to win the game. Right. They're, they're going to give they're ready for it. Like you watch Jared Goff go, okay. I'm going to put the back over here on this safety. I'm going to put the tight end over here. We're going to max it up, and we'll go hit Amon Ra or, J- or Laporta or, you know, Reynolds. We'll, we'll go find a matchup. Like, you can't blitz. They blitzed almost every play against the Eagles. It was success. <laughs> I know. Like, you can't play that style. You can pull it every once in a while, um, but you can't do that to this coordinator and this quarterback. There's no way. Like, they'll get carved up. So it'll be a different type of game for Tampa's defense, Jason. <laughs> Jason, yeah, can, I, can, can, I was going to say, can, can the Bucks though, <clears throat> move the ball against this Lions defense the way they did the other night? Now, again, Eagles, from a personnel standpoint, we've been talking about how good that Eagles defense has been all year, but yet they were a disaster the last seven weeks of the season. Well, and a lot of people, Jason, are saying it's Matt Patricia. Well, look, again – I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste any more. You, you, you can Google me and Matt Patricia and find the cost. That, that's, that's, I don't think I'll talk about him anymore. Don't worry. Uh, I, I do think they can. They can move the ball. Um, I think a lot of the Eagles' deficiencies to me are are there with the Lions as well. Defending the slot, defending the middle of the field, um, some of their coverage breakdowns on the back end. You know, Gardner Johnson's back now, and we'll see. But like. I, I don't know, Baldy. Like I, I, I don't. I don't think the Bucks are. And I know Todd Bowles has a has a like a reputation as being conservative, and they have run the ball a little better in the second half. But it's real hard to run the ball in the Lions. And like, you know, Rashad White gets his carries to stay balanced, but they're going to have to keep pace with the Lions because the Lions are going to get points. Jared Goff threw for three hundred and fifty five yards against these guys a few weeks back. That's the second highest total for him throwing outside of a dome since he came to the to the Lions. Like, he had, like, 357 against, you know, Carolina, like, at one. But, like, that's, like, we know golf splits, home road, right, indoors, outdoors. Like, I, I just think even if Todd Bowles blitzes a little less and changes his, his spots a little bit, the Lions are going to get theirs at home on that fast track offensively. Like, I think this is another over game. Like, I think the Bucks are fooling themselves if they think this game's played in the, the low so like how do we get there well we've got to exploit that secondary and the bucks right now to me Baldy, it's a little bit like Rutgers. i don't know where the ball is going like the number four wide receiver might be bizarre on this drive the number five wide receiver kate otten might take a game over right if they want to sell out to take away evans that's fine baker will play point guard like i think that'll be a problem for the lions a little bit like i think they can get into 11 personnel like the rams did right we got the one you know, move tight end. We got a bunch of jitterbugs out there, plus Mike Evans. Like, I'm going to – somebody's going to be open. Like, your your secondary ain't that good. 
So I think the game's probably got to be played a, a, a little bit more like that. And I'll say this about Baker Mayfield. He's one of the rare quarterbacks in this league. He's got reverse splits. Like, you know, a left-handed reliever who's who's better against lefties than righties. He's better away from home than at home. He had the second-best passer rating in the NFL on the road. He had 19 passing touchdowns. He averaged two passing touchdowns a game on the road. I got news for you. They're giving you plus money over one-and-a-half passing touchdowns. Detroit bleeds out passing touchdowns. He's going to get a couple. Like, somebody's going to go off like Puka Nakua did. I can't tell you who it is. Right, it might be well, Godwin this week, but somebody in the slot's going to go off because the the Lions don't have the bodies to match up. The Lions will win. Lions are the better team, but I think the Bucks, Baldy, can make this an interesting watch. You know, it's interesting. Ben Johnson got a lot of attention last year. He's getting a lot of attention now as a head coach. Uh, he stayed last year, and they're better because of it. But you know, when I watch. Detroit's offense. It's it's so interesting because I see I find something that I've never seen before. Whether it's a formation, a particular motion, a misdirection. This Ben Johnson's very very creative. And the one guy, you know, sometimes how do you play without the ball? Like this, Jamison Williams runs different than anybody else left in this postseason. It reminds me a lot of Deshaun Jackson, and he they use his speed to just take the cover off. The, the defenses, and that's opened up these windows for for Reynolds last week and Monroe St. Brown. Um, he doesn't get a lot of targets, but, man, is he a blur. I, I nicknamed him the, the Motown Comet, and they use his speed in a way that you have to respect it. Otherwise, he'll run right by you, and they will get it to him. Um, this is I, – I think Brian Branch is, 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 a, is a good slot defender when he's in the slot, Jason. He's not always there. Sometimes he he's just a. He is. He can only you know, take it, one guy, though, Baldy. Baldy, yeah, he can't, he, if he could guard three guys at once, they'd be all right. That's true. That's true. Right? That's what, true. Who What's do you think that matchup is? Do, do they put him on Otten? Who, who do you think they put him on, just for my own gambling purposes? Well, <laughs> you know, look, Kate Otten had the game of his life the other day against Philly, but Philly doesn't know what the right hand and the left hand are doing with each other. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Baker's going to throw it to the open man. So Otten got all the targets last week, and uh, you know that's got to uh, be Godwin, though, doesn't it? I mean, I, I I'm more afraid of Godwin than I am of of what I saw last week. Like, was that an aberration? Godwin's proven right, and if you're gonna say who do I trust going into this game, and I'm Baker Mayfield, that's the guy I'm putting him on. Now you got the Mike Evans thing; you can worry about that outside, but Godwin's gonna be working inside, right? He's gonna be working all the the angles here with the slot. That's the guy I'm worried about. But I think I think Jason Baldy. The Lions secondary is their weakness. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw them get taken advantage of last week. I'm with you, Jason. I think the Bucs come in. They're going to take their shots. Maybe they get some pass interference plays down the field. They're able to get in the scoring position. We'll see what happens. But I do want to ask you guys about how this Lions team is built. Some people say, oh, it's about time. It's 30 years. Guys, I'm looking at this roster. Baldy, they're going to be here. Now, I don't know what the decision is on golf, but they're not going anywhere. Well, you, you look, Carl, I mean, just look at their first two. Look at Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. Like, those guys scored 23 touchdowns. Two rookies scored 23 touchdowns in 18 games, counting last week. I mean, they struck gold and all these players, right? And if you just go through the roster now, I mean, for the offensive line, is all built through the draft. I mean, they've drafted every one of those guys. Glasgow and, you know, Penne and, you know, Ragnow. I mean, the whole group they drafted. And now this Laporte has come in and he's setting the world on fire. He might be the next great tight end in this business, the way that he runs. Um, they, re, you know, they said, look, we think we think we have a good running back room. They blew it out last year. And here comes yeah. Montgomery and here comes Jameer Gibbs. Like nobody, I have seen anybody else do that. And they struck gold right there. It was the right choice. And the way that they use them. Right. Is the right way. David Montgomery pounds you. He breaks tackles. He extends plays by two or three yards every time he touches it. And then here comes Gibbs. Here comes Gibbs and that speed, the change of pace, the ability to catch the ball. I mean, that's just in the offense. If they get, you know, if they would have traded for Montez Sweat during the season, you know, I mean, if you, if they had had the foresight to make that move, Flip yep. the second round pick because they have assets. Yep. Or and Chase you go, Young. Or Chase Young. Well, I would take my yeah, but I mean if you 
I think Montez was a second round pick, Jason. Like second round pick for Montez Sweat. Yeah. With his length and Aiden Hutchinson's length and effort, you put those beasts on the outside, like that might be all this defense needed. I think yeah. that's but I think this is a well-built team and they're built for the long term. And they're built in the eyes of Dan Campbell, which is more important. Like this is the type of guys that he wants, and those are the guys he's getting. Alex Anzalone was in New Orleans, good player. In Detroit, like he's right there on the verge of being a star player. Never comes off the field every down. Uh, impactful player. Uh, it, 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 it's coming along. Coming he, along real good. Baldy, even the kid they drafted from Iowa, right? Jack uh, Smith, is Campbell. it? Campbell. Uh, Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, the length of it. And we talked about it when they drafted him. I remember us talking last year about, well, what's going on here? They want a guy to, you know, be in the middle of the field. That's even worked. Well, one of Jason's good friends and my good friends, Bobby DePaul, run a lot of, lot of different, you know, draft rooms in his business. And he always said the most under underrated element of a defender is their length. And so wingspan differential. Bobby was preaching that to me, Jason, 25 years ago. Yes, yes, absolutely. And he's not but, wrong. Yes, he's not wrong. Yeah. And so you look at a Jack Campbell and you look at that wingspan and you look at you know, a guy like a Montez Sweat with his wingspan, like it's length. It's it just, it, it's like basketball. You're in the passing lanes. Your hands are up. You make tackles that other guys don't make. Um, it, you get off blocks easier. Like yep. all these things, like there's validity to this. Now, every once in a while, there's a Mike Singletary that defies sure. everything. You know, sure. you get the outliers out there. But by and large, you get length out there on your defense, um, like Kyle Hamilton in Baltimore. Length, length, and if it's used properly in the right scheme, makes a big difference. All right, guys. Um, maybe the best game of the weekend. We'll see. But this is what I do know. This is Josh Allen's time. If you're not going to win this game at home, which you would not have not had against the Chiefs the last two times, is not happening. So we're talking Chiefs on the road against the Bills. This is the 6:30 game on Sunday. Who knows what the weather will be? Who cares? I still think we're going to get a good game. And I think the Chiefs, for the first time, Baldy and Jason are going to have to prove that Patrick Mahomes can go on the road and win. In the playoffs, which he hasn't done. Some people will dismiss that and say, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what to think. You played all these home games and Super Bowls. I don't know what's going to happen on Sunday when you go up to Buffalo and you're on the road. Maybe he makes it look easy. But let's talk about this game because the Chiefs did what they needed to do. They advanced. And now they are on the road in years past, the last two times. And remember, they changed the overtime rules the last time these two teams met because of that game in which the Bills didn't get the ball back. I mean, and I think he had uh, four touchdowns in that game. I'm talking about Josh Allen. So what do you think? 31 points, guys. Just to remember, because it blew my mind. I had to go back. 31 points were scored in that game after the two-minute warning. Yes. Okay. So, look, I remember going into week 18 this past season when Buffalo went down to Miami. And Buffalo, if they lost the game, they could have been eliminated from the playoffs. And I said – I don't care what happens in that game. I need Josh Allen in the playoffs. We, 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 need, we need our stars. And so, look, this is the modern-day Brady Manning. You, they got to play in the regular yeah. season. We need to see him in the postseason. We just need to see it. And all the talking heads and all the pregame show, it's great. But we just put the cameras on these two quarterbacks. Let them go to work. What we saw Josh Allen just do to Pittsburgh, what we saw Mahomes do in 33 below zero weather, like the moment can't it's never big enough. They're 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 bigger than any moment atmosphere. I expect Mahomes to go into Buffalo and embrace the element. He's got a, a legitimate target now and Rasheed Rice. He's proven it right now and what he can do, how they use him. Kelsey looks like he's back. Pacheco can run it in a power run game. Like they this game has everything it takes. Now we gotta see the health of some of these Buffalo Bill defenders, if they got to go out there and play A.J. Klein at linebacker, I mean, like, that's where they're at with this thing. Kair Elam, I know he got the interception, but there's a reason why he's been on the bench as a first-round pick. You know, uh, we got to see if Benford's back. Like, Buffalo, like, they they lost five defenders in that game. Like, you can't sustain that type of loss on this defense and still – you know, contain Mahomes in this offense right now. So I, I'm, I'm curious about that. 
But I'm just so happy that these two quarterbacks are here because they'll they'll put it they'll will it they'll they'll will it they'll put it on their shoulders whether they're running it throwing it extending it diving over the end zone fourth down runs um, they're gonna you know this they're gonna leave it all on the field and that's when we're sitting back on Sunday night at nine o'clock at night in the fourth quarter like we're just gonna enjoy the moment I think. Jason, a lot of people will talk this week about the game in which, you know, the Bills won in in Kansas City, and we know how that played out with the lateral and the officiating. All right, put all that aside, right? I mean, that has nothing to do with what we're going to see on Sunday night. What are we going to see on Sunday night? I think we're going to see a a hotly contested um, first-rate football game. This is one where I'm not sure about the scoring, though. I, I think this is an under game. Do you know that Patrick Mahomes has one passing touchdown in his last six games? Six? Just think about that. One passing touchdown in his last six games. Patrick Mahomes on the road this year, seven games, ten touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, like, I, I'm very – look, I, there's mitigating circumstances here. I, I, I lean to the Bills, but the Bills are on a, a, a serious rest disadvantage here now. Like, the, there's two days rest difference here. And let's be real. Kansas City's game against Miami, maybe it wasn't over before it started. It damn sure was over at halftime. So that wasn't the kind of, like, mental toll that a playoff game usually is, right? I mean, those guys were in there in the halftime warming up saying, all right, it's on to Buffalo. Um, Whereas the Bills, you know, game got moved around. And then Baldy's point about the Bills secondary, you know, from Roscoe Douglas, there's five guys in their linebacking core and and their DBs whose status is imperative. I do, though, still wonder if McDermott can kind of – we talked about, like, Green Bay, and you don't know where the ball's going, right? We talked about Baker Mayfield, point guard, could spread it anywhere. Patrick Mahomes has two guys he can trust. Like, three if McKinnon plays in the pass game. That's it. Like, he ain't – like, go look at the, where the ball's being funneled to down the stretch. It's Kelsey, it's Rice, and it's a little bit of gray in the red zone. That's it. Like, I don't think that's changing now on the road – you know, uh, against the Bills in Buffalo where they're diving through fire-lit tables. Like, I don't think this is the day to rediscover Kadarius Tony. Can you catch the ball? I think that's out, right? So I still think you kind of know where the ball's going. And to your point about the first game, Pacheco didn't play in the first game. I think there's going to be a whole lot of – neither of these teams can stop the run. Like, they're both really good defenses. They're top 10 scoring defenses. There's a lot of metrics that are great. They can't stop the run. You know, the Buffalo Bills are running the ball 52% of the time since they made the coordinator change. I don't think that's changing here. Josh Allen, way over 40 rushing yards, probably more like 60, 70. Sign me up for that. Josh Allen, anytime rushing touchdown, baked into the game. Like, he closes drives. Cook doesn't close drives. I thought playoff Lenny might close drives. They cut playoff Lenny. Latavius Murray don't close drives. Josh Allen closes drives. So, like, I, I think that's the game in this. I think Pacheco runs the ball. Go look at the Chiefs. They're winning scripts. Pacheco's carried well, the ball 21, I, 22 times. I, I've been saying since, you know, all the stats came out about how how frequently the Chiefs <clears throat> dropped passes from Mahomes. That, and when the passing game wasn't looking good, to your point, Jason, one touchdown pass in six games, I'm like, just morph into a power-running football team. Because when you watch Tooney and Humphrey and Trey Smith and any the tackles who aren't very good in protection, um, they're good. They're really good in the run game. They carve you up. Pacheco is a dynamic player. Uh, he had his injury. He's healthy. Like, they could become a power-running football team. And if you add Mahomes' runs into it yes. on third down and his scrambles, like, they could put up a lot of yards and chew up a lot of clock in the run game. And it'll be something that Chief fans probably – they'll accept and they'll take if it's a win. But that might be the best way right now. Um, is James Cook – what, what, how big of a role will he play in this game, guys? Huge. Well, I think it'd be a big role. I, I mean, he, he is a dynamic player. He, he's he got tremendous feet. Um, this offensive line has been together all season. Um, they run tackle traps. They do a lot in the run game. And he's, you know, in the, in, in the, the running back in the line, they always have to, each week, they always have to kind of go through a little dance. You need it. You get it. You need carries to find the rhythm and find the plays that work. And as long as they are feeding them and don't get away from it, which I don't think they will, this is what Joe Brady, I believe, is, is going to lean on. Um, he'll get his yards. He'll, 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 
he'll find their runs because they're they're pretty good at doing that. He All had right. five We're targets. Talking. He had five targets for 83 yards in the first half of the game in Arrowhead. Like, yeah, and I then just, they used them to run in the second half. Like I think that's I that's like I think the Bills will try to achieve a similar script. Yeah. Like screen game, high efficiency passes, design runs for the quarterback, you know, mixing it up between Cook and Latavius Murray, controlling the clock. We can talk about Patrick Mahomes never playing on the road and all that. It's still Patrick effing Mahomes. And the more he's on the sidelines, <laughs> right, true. the better. Like, I know the red zone passing game looks broken. That's why, again, it's going to be Pacheco, Pacheco, Pacheco. But, like, it's still Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and they might have a trick up their sleeve. And, Baldy, one thing we didn't touch on that I think we have to, how much do you think Andy Reid trusts his jumping, twitching tackles in this game? Like, how much do you think? And I know Von Miller's not Von Miller and this and that, but, like, do you think he wants those guys driving this way or driving that way or going back like this? Uh, go for it. I mean, t- take advantage of your strength right here. Go forward. Get Juwan Taylor, Wanya Morris. Get these guys in the run blocking scheme. Um, you know, I mean, you saw Broderick Jones struggle against Gregory Rousseau, um, you know, against Pittsburgh. I mean, he really struggled at right tackle in that game. And Rousseau really outplayed him. And it was uh, it was a big factor. All right, we're going to take a quick break, guys. It's in the huddle. We're coming back. We've got one other thing to cover, and everybody's talking about it. We'll come back in just a moment. In the huddle, Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on four. Before we wrap things up, I just want to talk a little bit about the coaching situation that's going on around the NFL. Guys, as we record this podcast, things obviously could change within the next few hours and certainly in the next few days. But as we record this today, no movement in Dallas. Mike McCarthy's still there. No movement in Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni is still there. We know there are meetings to come. With that said, we've got the other teams around the NFL who are still looking for coaches, Baldy, and Washington Raiders, Falcons, Chargers, Carolina, Tennessee, and Seattle. We also know that Harbaugh interviewed with two teams. We're talking about Jim now. One, the Chargers, and then we just found out last night he interviewed with the Falcons. That Falcons interview was in person, as was the Bill Belichick interview with Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but the hardball thing, is he making this jump? Because he certainly is entertaining all of this, but he did this last year, didn't he? He does this every and he, year. And the year before. You know, right. he really wanted he really wanted the he Minnesota he the job. Vikings job. He, he wanted the Minnesota Vikings job. They went with Kevin O'Connell. Um, one thing about Jim Harbaugh, you better be prepared to write a big check. All right. It might be the biggest check. I mean, whether it's Michigan or whether it's one of these NFL teams. And then, oh, by the way, when he brings his staff with him, you better be ready. Three million dollar coordinators, maybe four million dollar coordinators. I mean, he's going to coordinators. No, Jason, your point. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of his coaches. You're making five. You're making three position coaches. You're making one point five. Oh, yeah. He's a billionaire. Let's get well, but that's one. But that's one of the reasons why his coaches are so loyal. They yes. know they're going to make head coaching type money as yeah. coordinators. Yeah. So, and he leans on those guys. You know, he Jim's not one of those guys that's got his head in these charts looking at plays. Like he's he's watching the game and he's managing the game. Um, so look, I, like I think he's the biggest free agent, but this Belichick thing is real. And because look, whether it's a year, two years, if I was Arthur Blank, one of the reasons why I would be interested in Bill Belichick is because I want to see the operation. I want to see how he puts this thing together. I want to learn his strengths for long-term. Like I'm looking at the, well, he might be there two years. I want to see it for the next 10, 15 years. Like what separates him from all he's had Dan Quinn. He's had all these different guys in Atlanta. What separates Bill Belichick? And does he need a great general manager? Uh, at this point in his career. And do we have that, you know, in place for him? So there's a lot of things there. And then, and then this Philadelphia and Dallas thing, I just think both owners didn't wait, want to make real emotional decisions after heartbreaking losses. And you go, do we blow it all up right now? Or is this salvageable in Philly if you just change the coordinators? Like, I think, they're taking their time, but I don't. I think both these things can be changed here this week. 
Like I, I almost expect changes in both places before the week is out. And if those open up, Belichick, Brabel, um, Harbaugh, like this thing could really expand, Jason. What about Belichick to Philly? Because that's the one. I didn't think he fit. Like the ones that we knew were opening up, I didn't think he'd fit anywhere. Now the ones that were TBD for me were Philadelphia, Dallas, maybe if that Tampa thing went totally sideways against the Eagles. But, like, I just wonder, like, he's got to respect. I don't know how his reputation before. I think how his reputation has changed a lot. Like, there's no way that Bill Belichick can't respect the way Howie exploits people in trades, the way Howie works a draft board. Like, a lot of Belichick's weaknesses in his latter stage are Howie's strength. Like, it's two interesting personalities. But let's be real. It's two to three years. Like, if Bill Belichick goes to Atlanta, let's just think about it. If Bill Belichick goes to Atlanta in that horseshit division and can't win more than seven, eight games, I got news for you. He just took a dump on his legacy, right? The Bill Belichick story will be written. Couldn't finish above 500 without Tom Brady. Like, that's the risk in it. Like, I, I get it. Maybe he goes there and dominates that division. But, like, if he goes there and it's lipstick on a pig and he can't get to Shula and it's not great, he doesn't have a quarterback, I got news for you. It's going to be one thing with Brady, pretty marginal without him. If he well, goes to the Eagles and wins an NFC East title, right, which I think he could probably do year one and whip some people into shape, like, you know that there's a mutual love-hate thing between Philly and New England. Like, that, I think that's the one, Baldy, where, like, well, I can, you know, you know they all so learn obviously, from him and there's a coach in waiting. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Jeffrey Lurie comes from – you know, that part of the country where he knows all about, you know, Bill Belichick and, and you know, the, the, the Kraft family. And then, you know, they, they brought Chip Kelly in in 2013 and Chip's biggest influence was Bill Belichick. And they were they always scrimmaged each other when, when Chip was yeah. there. And so Bill was in Philadelphia. Um, Mr. Laurie was up in New England. I was at some of those scrimmages. Uh, they're all watching Tom Brady, you know, just be Tom Brady. And so... I, there's such a, a respect, mutual respect, I think, between the organizations and really how Philadelphia wanted to build their their franchise was in the eyes of what Bill Belichick, multiple championships. We want to compete, you know, developing quarterbacks. And like I can see this thing, if you get a chance to get Bill Belichick in your building, I mean, why wouldn't you at this stage if you're Jeffrey Lurie and you want to win championships and you've got a pretty good roster? Uh, yeah, Kelsey's stepping away, but you've got a lot of young talent. you still got a good offensive line. You've got a quarterback that is all about focus and team and all the things that Bill Belichick preaches. Like, this thing could be put together pretty quickly. Three years, guys. That's what I think. I think he gets to 75. It'll be 72 when the season starts. Yeah. That's three years. You want a three-year run? That's the job. Jason, I totally agree. It's not Atlanta. It's not the Chargers. It's not any of this other stuff that we've been talking about. That's the job. If you not want to him get and Jerry ball. and Stephen Jones fighting about personnel, like the turtle was there. The Correct. One, I, I can't get there. Yeah. So we are going to see how this shakes out. We'll be talking about it and we'll be reacting to it right here on In the Huddle. Guys, enjoy the divisional round. Baldy will be putting his breakdowns out there. Jason's writing in the Washington Post. Make sure you check us out. Follow us on social media. And we thank you for being here, hanging out, and talking about the NFL. We'll talk to you guys next week as we get to the next round of the NFL playoffs. Everybody enjoy. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 